Well, good morning. Good morning, Brianna. Yes, I knew someone would say something. It is good to be with you all this morning. Um, these some of your faces that I saw a lot of yesterday. Thank you so much, uh, those of you that came and served and were a part of blessing the school community. Uh, those of you that don't know, last night there was um, a big fundraiser for our school that um, pays for the art program for the school um, and uh, a bunch of other um, assemblies, and they pay for a teacher uh, to, to teach art to the kids every every week. Um, and so there was a big fundraiser last night at the top of the Culver Steps, and many people here served um, to set up and tear down. Some are still... Alfred, there you are. You, Alfred was there last night. He was the last one in my house at 1230, um, dropping stuff off. Um, and so... Uh, yeah, it's good to see you guys and be a part of that. I want to thank you for serving and really um, living out your identity, uh, like we talk about, that we're a family of missionary servants. And so we got to do that last night and be a part of the community uh, in doing that. And so um, let me pray for us, and then um, we're going to jump into the book of Psalms again today, um, and uh, we'll go from there. Uh, Father, we thank you um, for this morning. We thank you that you wake us up. We thank you that you're... Um, your wisdom, your strength uh, is new every morning. We thank you that just because we breathe, we're reminded that you are the breath of life that pours into us. Lord, we thank you for your goodness in that and for caring for us and being gracious to us. But I pray that your spirit would empower us to learn this morning and that you would teach us what you want us to know and that we would be different because of that and that we'd live differently in the city because you love us and because we get to now live a different way because you've made us anew. Lord, we thank you this morning that we get to look into your word and pray that your spirit would, uh, would speak. Pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. We're in the middle of a series on the book of Psalms. Um, and so today we're starting a new kind of section of that or a new theme within the book of Psalms. We've been looking at different themes throughout the book. Um, and today we're going to talk about the theme of wisdom. We're going to do that for the next couple of weeks. Um, and so just a as the worship team was singing, or in, and in between, they read through Psalm 37. We're going to look at Psalm 37 today, so I'm not going to read it all, because it's already been read. It's like 40-some verses. Um, but um, the, the wisdom psalms uh, contain really basically teachings, instructions. Um, they're very similar to the book of Proverbs, but they're expressed in a little different literary form. Um, and so there's many psalms or parts of psalms that, that actually fall into this category, Psalm 37 is one of them, um, and we're going to be looking at parts of it today, and then parts of it actually next week as well. And so we're going to kind of use this for the next couple of weeks, and so we're just going to kind of look at a couple of different things, um, of what God wants to teach us about in there. What's unique about Psalm 37, it's, it's one of handful of a few Psalms that has like an acrostic pattern, and so um, each verse or kind of section begins with a new uh, letter of the Hebrew alphabet. And so there's about five Psalms that actually have five or six psalms that actually have this, this pattern. Um, and it was kind of used so that um, it would be easier to recite, so that they could sing through it that way. It was, it was easier to remember kind of the things that were taught in it, kind of through the acrostic. Same way we would kind of use an acrostic today. Uh, my kids really kind of like to do that when they give you a card. Have you ever gotten a card from my kids and it has your name on it? Like it's probably like listed down like Katie, like all the different like things. And like when I get the Dad's Day card... They, they like, it's like, you know, delightful, amazing, and then like 
there's some other, there's always one word that like they, they couldn't figure out another D, so it's like does stuff. You know, like there's always like something that's just a little bit off. Or, or when they're doing it and they're all like sitting at the table, they're writing stuff out for Jess. And they're like, you can't use that word. I've already used it over here. And so then like as it gets to the end, you're like, I don't know if that one actually fits. But, um, but anyway, um, that's kind of how these psalms go. They all do fit because um, God did them, not my kids. Um, and so, um, so what you'll see, it just kind of goes through the alphabet here. And we're, I'm not going to break through the Hebrew alphabet because I don't really understand it and you don't either. Um, and so, um, we're just gonna, but that's how it's laid out. Um, and so we don't need to look like we're smart. We just know that's how it is. Um, what we see also in the Psalms of Wisdom is we kind of have this contrast. Um, we kind of see um, this is what it looks like to be wise. This is what it looks like to be unwise. This is what, um, this is what wisdom will look like in your life. I um, kind of see it over and over again. We see this idea of, of the, the wicked on one side and the righteous or those that are wise on the other side. And so we kind of have these two contrasting kind of pieces as you look through these points of wisdom. Um, and so as I think about this idea of wisdom, I want to make sure that we are, are clear on what, what, we, what we're saying when we say what wisdom is. Um, if you look through the book of Proverbs, which is dedicated specifically to the book of wisdom, you'll see over and over again that the idea of wisdom is actually equated with the fear of the Lord. And so when I say fear of the Lord, it's not that you're afraid that he's going to squash you, um, but that with a humble heart, you basically say, I'm not God, you are. That I need you to be God for me. Without you, I am nothing. It's, it's really, it's a sober reverence, an understanding that he's the king, that he's the sustainer of life, that without him, like, I wouldn't survive, and you wouldn't survive. It's really, that they're really each breath is really a reminder of his lordship. It's the idea of fearing God, of honoring him, of reverencing, respecting him. Um, it means really, basically, the, the fear of the Lord is really that he's the center of your life, that he's in the proper place, that he's in charge of everything that's going on. And so as we think about this, wisdom then is not really the smartest thing to do. Wisdom is actually the submitted thing to do. It's about putting God in the center and saying, you will affect every aspect of my life. I think often when we think about wisdom, or if you like Google like what a wise person looks like, you'll, you'll get like all these things of like some old guy or some old lady, and they're like sitting there like they're, they're really smart or they're really old, and that's what it means to be wise. But that really has nothing to do with wisdom. Wisdom doesn't have anything to do with age or education. Wisdom has everything to do with perspective of who's in control. Really, really at the heart of wisdom is humble submission. It's a, it's a sober view of self. It's, it's basically saying, it's being honest with yourself and it's saying, I'm prone to foolishness, I'm prone to self-destruction, I'm prone to like not be wise, and I'm prone to not lay my life down for others. I'm, I'm prone to not love people the way God calls me to love them. But through his spirit, this is who I am now, and because he's given me a new heart, a new identity, I'm going to walk in these ways through his power. That's really what it means to be wise. And, and we see here, so we have that kind of piece, and we have the opposite of that. We often find that in wisdom literature that the unwise is actually called a fool. Um, a fool really is one who, on the other hand, believes that they can't fall. They believe they've got it all covered. They're, they're indestructible, if you want to say it that way. Like, I can do everything in my own strength. They're really willing or, or really unwilling to listen to, to wisdom. They, they don't want to learn. They, they basically think they have it all figured out. In Psalm 14, 1, it says this, Only fools 
say in their heart that there is no God. Only fools say in their heart there is no God. Now, we would probably never like, all right, I'm not going to say there's no God. Right? Like most people on the planet, there's a few that say there's no God, but I don't even know if they actually believe that, to be honest with you, when you actually break down their arguments of why they're an atheist. Um, but we would never say that, that, that that's, that's true, that there's no God. But I wonder how often we live our life like there is no God. We become practical atheists where our lives don't, we, I, I don't need anybody to speak into my life. I don't need anybody to instruct me. I don't need anybody to call me out on my mess. I don't, I don't need anybody to correct me. I'm, I'm, basically, I'm not prone to weakness is what we're saying. What I, what I think is interesting in that verse is it doesn't say mouth. It says heart. It's what you believe in your heart is what comes out of your life. It's what you do and what you say comes out of your heart. This is always the case. You may be able to mask it for a little while, but your actions will always, in time, reveal what is going on in your heart, especially when you're under pressure. I kind of think about it, this idea of like you have a, a, a tube of toothpaste, and if you stepped on it hard enough, what's inside is going to eventually come out. You know, you may be able to keep the lid on there for a while and it just kind of like gets bigger. But eventually, if you put enough pressure in your life, enough things start pushing on your heart, what comes out of you, what comes out in your actions and what comes out of your speech is actually what's going on. As we think about this theme of wisdom, I want to look at just two verses in Psalm 37 today. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn there. And I want to discuss what it looks like to be wise in, in speech as well as in life. How, how does the fear of the Lord affect the area of your speech, of your words, of what comes out of your mouth? We're going to look at verse 30 and 31. And this is what Psalm 37 says this. The mouth of the righteous utter wisdom, and his tongue speaks justice. The law of God's is in his heart. His steps do not slip. The law of God is in his heart. And his steps do not slip. As we think about Psalms, um, it's not the only book that actually talks about speech. It's not the only book that talks about the words that come out of our, our mouth. In fact, in the book of wisdom in Proverbs, it's discussed 96 times. That's a lot of times in like one little book. That the tongue is really something that's super important. We see Jesus talk about it a lot in the New Testament. In the, in the book of James, it's talked about quite a bit. In fact, in James, I want to read um, a section here about the power of the tongue. We see multiple times in James the power of the tongue is, uh, is listed. In James 3, it says this, So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of, of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. These are like some pretty strong words for the tongue. There's some pretty like powerful words here. There's like a world of evil that's like living right here, like right on your mouth. That like with one little like flick of a match or a flick of a lighter, your tongue can start an entire forest fire. There's a, you want to put that picture of the, that's there, Brianna. Um, a few days ago, I don't know if you saw this or not, uh, in, well, you can't see any of it. 
But if you look up there, no, go back to the other one. There's a fireman and there's a bear, um, but you can't see him. Um, so um, it looked really good on my computer, but it just doesn't look good when it comes up here. Um, a, few, a few days ago in Florida, there was this little bear that was found um, in, uh, with burnt paws and like singed fur after the fire burnt in Florida for like 285 acres. Um, and the firemen were kind of cleaning up and this little bear comes out to them and like comes over to them and they picked it up and they, they brought it home. And they're calling him Smokey Jr. now. Um, if you know Smokey the bear, you can go to the other one. Um, you see him on all of our California like uh, signs when you go to the parks and all. But Smokey the bear, actually, this was, that was his story as well. Um, the original Smokey the Bear, I'm, maybe you aren't old enough to remember him, some of us are, um, but the original Smokey the Bear was, was the same way, it was found by firemen after fires ripped through, I think, Washington and Oregon, um, and so they, they collected this little bear, and he became kind of the, the, uh, the champion for, for forest fires and for people like putting out their fires. Um, I remember I was a pretty sensitive kid, apparently, um, and I'm not sure what happened, um, but I just masked that now. Except when I'm tired, I start to cry. So if I cry, it's really because I'm tired, not because I'm like emotional about what I'm talking about. Um, just so you know. Um, but, uh, but when I, I remember the day that Smokey the bear died, like the actual bear died. And like, I like bawled my eyes out for like a week, my mom said. Like every day, like, Smokey, he died. Um, but... But anyway, I don't even know why I'm telling this story. But anyway, there's some analogy here that I want to get at. Um, that our tongues, our words, um, are very powerful. Um, they can have massive, massive, um, they can occur like massive damage in people's lives. They can change the whole landscape of a land. Just the same way that a forest fire comes in, it changes the landscape of how we look at what's going on around us. It can alter, our tongues can alter lives around us. And I want to say, for good and for bad, for good and for bad, there's some good things that come out of forest fires. There's things that are, that, that, that are healthy about forest fires. Um, but, and there's some, there's some bad pieces of that as well. And so I think our, our tongues, we're going to talk about both sides of that. Um, as I think about this too, as the Spirit of God led James um, to write this about the power of the tongue, um, this is hundreds and hundreds and hundreds, well, thousands of years, Really before social media, before Facebook, before Twitter, before blogs, before email, before cell phones, before texting, before regular snail mail, um, really even hundreds of years before the printing press. And in fact, most people when this book was written couldn't even read. And so the only way that your words could set a life on fire was a face-to-face conversation. When you were talking with someone or you talked about what someone had said to you. But imagine how much more powerful your words are today. You have the ability to start a fire with a text, with an email, with a Facebook post. We have the ability to not only to, to, to start a fire in one's life, but in the lives of hundreds and thousands of people instantly with just a few words. Just a few words. We can do a lot of damage with our words in our culture digitally. Is that right? Digital, digitally? Yes. Um, I'd say that on the other side of that as well is that we have the ability to speak wisdom and affect gospel change so that others would see that God is the one to follow instantly with our words. And so what we're going to talk about today 
doesn't just apply to what comes out of your mouth, but also every keystroke, every thumb push of your cell phone, whatever it is, however you communicate words to others. This applies to all of those things here. So in verse 30 and 31 of Psalms, the things that we see here is that the mouth and the heart are, com- are connected. Um, it says, The mouth of the righteous utters wisdom, and his tongue speaks justice. The law of God is in his heart, and his steps do not slip. Luke 6.45 tells us the same thing. It says this, The good person out of good treasures of his heart produces good, and the evil person out of evil travels of his heart produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. Out of the abundance of his heart, his mouth speaks. That the words that come out of one's mouth are actually an accurate reflection of what's going on in your heart. It speaks, your mouth speaks what your heart is full of. What we think about what's going on in our heart is what we're going to generally talk about all the time. If you think this is pretty much anything in life, the things that like, when I'm, sometimes I get down the dearth of the internet of like what I'm going to buy for our next car to pull our camper with. Um, and I, I've now, right now it's an old 60s van. I think that's, that's the plan, at least in my mind. My kids hate it and they think these are ugly, but I think they kind of have a smile. Um, <laughs> Anyway, um, what, what you're thinking about is what you actually end up talking to people about. What's going on in your heart is what you're going to talk to your coworkers with, your, your neighbors, your, your spouses, your, your, your classmates. It's what, what you're going to talk about. If, if God is in your heart, that's what you're going to talk about. What your mouth speaks is what your heart is full of. I've often heard people say, and I've used this word before, like, um, well, that's not what I actually meant to say. But the reality is, if it came out of your mouth, it had to come from somewhere. It didn't just come from like outer space. It didn't just like some alien like spoke through you. It came from somewhere. It came from inside of you. It came out of you. We can't deny that those things that we've said are are really thoughts or feelings or emotions that are actually inside of me. And they're, they're probably a reflection of my heart in some place. The truths of all these things are, they're, they're all connected. That, that really, if you're, if you're concerned with the condition of your heart, if you actually want to grow in Christ, if you want to grow to be more like Jesus, you need to pay attention to what's coming out of your mouth. You need to pay attention about what you're writing down, what you're thinking about, what you're saying, because all these are evidences of what your heart is believing. And there's, it's, it's an evidence of where there's areas of our heart that, where the gospel still needs to take root in your life. If you want to know where, where the gospel needs to grow and shape in your life and in your heart, pay attention to what's coming out of your mouth. It's the same is true for those that you're trying to disciple, those that you're trying to lead. Um, you need to listen to what's coming out of their mouths because what their mouth speaks is what their heart is full of. We need to ask ourselves and we need to ask others, what's coming out of your mouth? Is that in line with who Christ has made you to be? Is that in line with your new identity in Christ? If it's not, then that's an area of our heart that's speaking the lies. It's speaking a lie that needs to be relinked back to the gospel. Proverbs 12.22 says this, It says, Lying lips are an abomination to the Lord, but those who act faithfully are his delight. What God is saying is that he hates lying. Why does he use such strong words about lying? Well, in John 3.33, it says this. It says, God is true, 
and that he is full of truth, and that the truth is who God is. That God is truth. If that's who God is, it's, it's pretty understandable why he, he, he doesn't like lying, why he, why he doesn't like untruth. If we've been remade into his image of truth, and we don't speak truth, then we're not being consistent about the way that we've been recreated to live. And the truth is that, that I know often we probably live that way. In John 4, it says that God is seeking worshipers who worship him in spirit and in truth. That if you want to worship God, you have to do it in truth. And truth is what you're supposed to be about. It's what, it's what you need to be about. But the problem is that in Romans 1, we know that, that, that we've exchanged the truth about God for a lie. That we've worshipped and we served created things instead of the Creator. And every time we do that, what we're doing is really lying about who God is. What that means is that behind every sin is a lie. Behind every idol in your heart is a lie. It's something that you're not believing about who God is. So that when we sin, we're effectively saying, God, I don't believe this is true about you. I don't believe this is in line with your character. I don't believe you can save me. I don't believe that this can fully satisfy me. That You can fully satisfy me. I believe this thing over here can. And all day long, I know in my own life, I speak lies. I speak lies. And they're based on an unbelief about who God is. I think God hates lying because it really rips at the fabric of what it means to have a relationship. I mean, when was the last time you like wanted to have a relationship with a liar? Like, if that guy's a liar, I'm going to go be his friend. Like, like, we don't do that, right? No one does that. And I think that's why God hates it as well. It, it just really rips at the fabric of what it means to have a relationship. So as you think about this idea, why do you think uh, you, others, whoever that may be, speaks lies out of your mouth? Why, why do we speak lies? What do you think? If you're new with us, when I ask a question, you can answer. So, Yeah, so other people will, will think better of us. We, we think their approval is, is more important than God's. Yeah, good. What else? Why, why, do, why do you or other people speak lies with their mouth? Okay. Yeah, I can control the situation, what's going on with that, someone's thoughts about me, or what's, you know, like, uh, that way I won't have to, like, own up to what's going on. I can do what I want. Yeah, good. What else? Say that one more time. Okay. To avoid, how are you being a complicated question? Yeah. Yeah, we often say, how are you doing today? I'm great. And really, like, your whole, like, day has been, like, terrible. Right? Yeah, just a simple, quick lie on that. Yeah. Why else? Yeah, it's a protection tool often, isn't it? Yeah. We want to create, create some false impression that, that others have, and we can protect this wall so that, so that they're not going to, hurt me or they're not going to be they're not going to be a part of that yeah good 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 what else why why do we lie yeah we believe it's easier yeah yeah the truth is too complicated where they don't really want to listen to that yeah people are asked well you know how are you doing today and they don't really want the answer to that right yeah i don't want to be the guy that vomits on someone and they're never going to ask me if i how's my day again right yeah good yeah my guess is if we look at our lives closely, we probably fall into lying a lot more than we admit. We probably spend more time, um, whether intentionally or not, lying than speaking truth. 
The good news of that is, though, that because Jesus is the truth, we can now rightly relate with God. And even though the fabric of our relationship with God is torn apart and we believe and we spoke lies, in John 14, 6, he says this, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And so Jesus comes along and he says, I am the truth. So wherever you've lied in your life or believed the lie about God, because of me, that does not define you anymore. You're cleansed, you're forgiven, and truth is what is true of you. So now, regardless of the outcome, you can freely speak truthfully. Because you don't have to have a fear of man, you don't have to worry about being in control, you don't have to worry about protecting. Um, All of that is gone, because God has approved you in Jesus. In John 17, it says that, that he's actually the one that's producing the truth in your life. He's telling He's the one that, that gives you desire to actually tell truth. And as I look at, at Psalm 37, that's really good news. Because in Psalm 37, it says, The mouth of the righteous utters wisdom, and his tongue speaks Jesus, speaks justice. That now, because of Jesus, we're included as the righteous. That we get to now speak wisdom and justice. Instead of telling lies, we're people now who speak wisdom and justice. So you think about that. What does it look like? What do you think it means to speak wisdom? What does it mean to speak wisdom? Sometimes it means not to speak. Yeah, good. It means being wise in, in how we're using our words and, and what time that is, what timing that is. Yeah, good. How else? What does it mean to, to speak wisdom? Okay, yeah, actually responding with truth. Yeah, good. What else? Yeah, yeah, good. Rather than, than just like going out on your own wisdom and, and allowing the Holy Spirit to speak through you, his wisdom. Yeah, really good. What else? Yeah, speaking wisdom could be blessing someone with Scripture. They're going through something in their life and you speak God's words over them. Yeah, or, or a specific word that, that, that the Spirit gives you for them. Yeah, it could be praying for someone or praying Scripture over someone. Yeah, what else? What else do you think it means to speak wisdom? Yeah, yeah. wisdom is that humble submission kind of piece that we were talking about earlier. And as we go to people, as we talk with them, as, as we, as, as even as we confront people about things that are in their life that's going on, like we're doing that in a humble attitude and we're sharing the good news of the gospel with them in, in the midst of that. Yeah, good. How about speaking justice? What do you think it means to speak justice? What does that look like? A little bit harder? Okay. Yeah, maybe at times. Try to spin it out a little bit. What does it mean to speak justice? What does that look like? Yeah, speaking justice is, is definitely being the voice for the vulnerable. Yeah, we, we see that in Scripture often, right? We talks about foreigners and orphans and the poor, those, those who really can't care for themselves. You know, we, we think about that in maybe in our context, that's a, that's a migrant worker or it's a refugee, someone from another country. We come alongside of them, and whether they have means or not, they're in a new country now, and we show them how to live in our culture. It could be it could we speak for the homeless or, or for single parents or, or for fatherless children. There's, there's many children that are growing up without a father. It could be we're speaking for the elderly. I think oftentimes elderly, elderly don't have a voice, and we're called to love them and, 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 and be alongside them. Yeah, good, good. What else? What else it means to speak justice? What does that look like? 
Yeah, yeah, speaking the justice is, is speaking the gospel into an everyday situation, really reminding us of that God is the one that made us just now, and we actually deserved something else. Yeah, good, good. I, I, anything else? I think it means to speak justice. Yeah, speaking justice is reminding people that we're all made in God's image. Yeah, that, that people are valuable because, because we're made in God's image. Yeah, good. We, we need to be looking in our city and saying, where are people not being cared for? Where are they not being protected? Where are they not getting what is due? And let's speak out for them. Because what happens is that that shows them and that shows others what our dad is like. See, the good news of speaking wisdom and speaking justice is, is that it's way more powerful than a lie. It's way more powerful than the storms of lies. Proverbs twelve eighteen reminds us this, of this. It says, The words of the reckless pierce like swords, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. It's this idea that your words can either be like a sword, like swinging around, like chopping off limbs, um, or, or they can be the bomb that brings healing. As I was thinking about this this week, it reminded me of a couple of things. It reminded me, um, well, this, this swapping off thing reminded me of Monty Python, where they're like, the soldier's like, I'm not... Come back here. I still got my, I'll bite your leg off. Um, but like, I think, so, you know, our words can be like that, right? Um, but the, the healing piece reminded me of a couple of things. In, in the Chronicles of Narnia, um, remember Lucy has that like, that like healing bomb. And if she goes around after the battle and she's like, she just puts like one little drip on people and like, and they're healed and, and they come back to life and the injured and the maimed are healed. That the healing power of one word of encouragement has that much power over the, the massive injury that's going on in people's lives. It also made me think about Jesus in the garden and Peter is like swinging his sword around when they come to like arrest him and, and all he can really get done is like one ear. Um, but he swipes off the ear of that soldier. And what, what I think as I was thinking about that is, is what is what's amazing is as Jesus is picking up the pieces, or I don't know if they're five or one, but as he's healing this man, I wonder, what were the very first words that Jesus said to this man? That he goes from not being able to hear at all to Jesus whispering into his ear, I love you, and I know you're coming to arrest me, but I'm still caring for you. That's an amazing thought, that, that the words of truth have that great power of healing, to care for you, to encourage you, to remind you of truth, to pick you up, to give you hope, to, to make you feel alive. The words have, really have this amazing ability to bring back what is dead in your heart back to life. I think it's why Ephesians 4.29 says this, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. The call is for that our words, that they would be useful and beneficial. Useful and beneficial. That's really, that's, that's, the, that's the golden standard, if you want to think about it that way, when it comes to our words. They're useful and they're beneficial. If it's not useful and beneficial, it's probably not wise and it's probably not justice. You're probably not speaking wisdom and you're probably not speaking justice if it's not useful and beneficial. So we're calling people to be willing to, to speak um, even hard truth into others. Even when we're doing that, we're doing it in a loving, face-to-face kind of way that is useful and beneficial in their life. 
You see, if it's not done in a loving manner, it's not going to be very useful. You can have the wisest words for someone, but if it's not done in a useful and beneficial manner, it's not going to be very helpful to them. We, we need to know um, that, that, that as we come to others, that the, and even as we come to others who don't yet know Jesus, that we speak wisdom and justice to them with kindness and gentleness. So that we speak the truth in love. That we encourage them. That when we actually talk to them, it's actually a blessing to them. That we speak words of life that heal into them. Think about this. Are you speaking words of life over your co-workers? Are you speaking words of life to your spouse? Are you speaking words of life to your kids? Are you speaking words of life to your parents? Are, are you speaking words of life to those that were in part of your missional community? Are you speaking words of life to your neighbors? Are, are you speaking words of life to people in this room? Are you speaking words of life to the homeless guy on the corner that you see all the time with the same exact sign? Are you using your words to be useful and beneficial to others? The way that we use our words has such a great power. It's an amazing tool that we have to affect change and affect health for the gospel in the city. If I'm honest, this is something that we're struggling with in our house. Like in our home, we're working hard on this. Because oftentimes, most of the time, we're just lopping limbs off with our words. We like swords, right, Victoria? Just coming at each other. Yeah, take that. The limb falls off, rather than healing bomb. We need Jesus to change our heart, and I think we all do. We we need to we need to be called to speak the truth in love, and to speak the truth, not lies. And if you're anything like us in our family. The good news is that when these things get brought into light, we now have a chance to repent and turn and live a new way. And the power of the Spirit gives us the ability to walk and to use our words differently, for our words to be powerful healing bomb. And when we do that, Jesus has brought more glory. Because as, as the more of the things that, the more lies that are exposed in our life, the more lies that, that, that are actually seen as lies, and that we actually confess as lies, Jesus gets more glory, and his sacrifice and grace gets bigger and bigger, both in our hearts and in the minds of others that get to see that as well. And so as we go to the table this morning, I want to encourage you to do that. I want to encourage you to think about how you're using words in your family, in your missional community, in this group, in, in, in your, with your co-workers. And, and maybe, there's, maybe there's someone that you need to go to and repent with. You need to ask their forgiveness that, that you have not used words in a, in, a, in a useful and beneficial manner to them. Maybe you need to confess that. Maybe you need to confess your need of Jesus with one another. Maybe God is calling you this morning to go speak a word of wisdom over someone. Maybe it's a word of blessing or a word of encouragement that God wants you to share with someone, whether that's a piece of scripture or something that you know that, that he wants you to, to, to tell them. Maybe God's just calling you to reflect in your life and say, where is this actually going on? I'm just now starting to think about this. Where, where is it going on? Where, 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 do, where do my words actually reveal some heart issue that's, that's, that's going on in my life? 
I want to take, I want to take some time to do that. Do that quietly as they come up to, to play some music. You guys can come up if you want. Um, and I want to encourage you as you go to the table um, to go with those around you and, and remind you that Jesus spoke the truth. That Jesus spoke justice. So that we, the vulnerable now, could be included as the righteous. The vulnerable that we're, that we're called to care for is actually us. That now because we have been, we've been rescued as the vulnerable, we're care, we care for those that are vulnerable outside of Jesus. As you go in groups or go with the person that you're speaking to, I want to encourage you to go around the circle and remind each other of why the gospel is such good news and to speak truth into the life of one another. So let me pray. And then um, there's two tables on both sides. Um, and you can go break the bread and dip it into the cup. And there's some gluten-free stuff back there, too. Um, so, uh, Father, we thank you that, um, that you sent Jesus to be the one uh, that speaks truth. We thank you that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. That although the father of lies um, continues to speak that into our life, we know that Jesus' truth overwhelms that. That Jesus' truth now heals us and heals our hearts, allows us to to once again speak wisdom, to speak justice, so that it's useful and beneficial to others. Father, I thank you this morning that we get to look into your word, and I pray that you would continue to, um, to call our hearts to worship you throughout this week, that you would continue to, to move in our, in our hearts so that our mouth and our speech would be different, so that we would live a new way, so that we would encourage others, so that we would call others to the truth of the gospel. Lord, we, we know that the only wisdom that is out there is your wisdom. Lord, I pray that we be people that speak your wisdom to others so that you would be seen as the one that, that is desirable. Or that we wouldn't lie about our lives so that we would be seen as the great one, but that we would, we would speak truth so that you would be seen that way. Father, thank you this, for this morning. Pray that you would continue to to bless us as we go to the table. Pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.